Geek Bill Radio. Let's call it War. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen, geeks and geekettes, Seth, a.k.a. Zandrax, the mayor of Geekville and the host of Geekville Radio, flying solo here for this latest episode. This is episode 310. If you are keeping track, we're going to talk a whole bunch of trailers and news that came out from D23. Most of it's Star Wars, but there's also some Marvel stuff to talk about. We'll catch up on some of the fallout of what's been happening with the Warner Brothers Discovery merger and we talked a little bit about that last episode, but I'm going to follow up on some of the stuff that's happened there. And we'll probably have cover a few other knickknacks here. But the main course of this episode, we're going to get to it right now, is the news and trailers from D23. This week in Geek News. We did see the final trailer for Andor. This is the series that where Diego Luna will reprise the role of Cassius Andor. And we know the show is set to run two seasons, and I think it's a 13-episode first season. I don't know if the second season is going to be that long as well, but like we speculated, this looks like it's probably not going to be as much about Andor himself, although he'll be the main character. It looks like this is even more so just the story of the rebirth of the, of the Rebellion, and this because this takes place a couple of years before the events of Rogue One. Now, we examined... The previous Andor trailer a little over a month ago, and there was some new footage here. I won't do much of the recycling footage like because we already talked about that. The previous trailer really showed hints of Andor's childhood and his young adult life. This one focuses on him working in the Rebellion, not just Andor in the Rebellion, but we also got Stellan Skarsgård playing Luthen Rail. I hope I'm saying that right. And, of course, we're getting Genevieve O'Reilly back as Mon Mothma, and I've heard her saying that she really enjoys being able to flesh out Mon Mothma because we really didn't see much of her. She had the one scene in Return of the Jedi with the Many Bothans Died line, and we saw her a little bit in Rogue One, but not really that much. I think we saw more of her in Rogue One than we did of Return of the Jedi. But this trailer does show Mon Mothma in the Imperial Senate. It shows her dealing with... Luth and Rail, they look like they have some sort of relationship outside of the Senate. They possibly could be friends or lovers or even even married. It looks like they spend a lot of time together outside of the Senate. We also get Forrest Whitaker. He's a slightly less injured Saw Gerrera. I'm assuming we're going to see him suffer whatever injuries that cost him to be practically crippled in Rogue One. We got a lot of action sequences. We see an Imperial shuttles landing. We see Deidre Miro of the Empire being escorted by death troopers. We got a glimpse of what looks like a Carillion ship. It could be Andor's ship. It could be Luthan's ship. And we get a scene really reminiscent of Attack of the Clones and some of the episodes of Clone Wars when you see all these presumably Imperial troops in a massive base just walking through several corridors. And we get Andor also relatively clean-shaven. Sometimes we see him with the beard in Rogue One. We see him with the beard in this series. And we see scenes where he's clean-shaven as well. Looks like he has to deal with his own mother, possibly her disapproving of him being in the Rebellion, if she even knows. So it's probably going to be, for lack of a better term at the moment, like a political thriller. There's no shortage of action. It's clear Luthan's living a double life. 
And adding a spouse to Mon Mothma's life would certainly add another dynamic to her role as Rebel Alliance leader, because if there is some sort of friendship or possibly marriage relationship between the two, probably safe bet that Luthen's going to die before this series is over, because we didn't see him at all in Return of the Jedi. It would show what Mon Mothma's had to go through. I also wouldn't be surprised if Bix, Kaleen, and Andor have a relationship. It's a natural step in many ways to have a love interest, kind of following the hero's journey trope. It would also lend credence to the claims that it will change the way you look at Rogue One, because if she dies in the series at all, it makes him dying with Jyn Erso at the end of Rogue One adds probably even more weight to that. But that's my thoughts on Andor, at least going by the trailers. This, these trailers, I think in many ways, have just gotten better especially since we saw so little up until a month or two ago. And I think it's the first three episodes are going to be available when when it drops. So we will be here covering it like we've been doing for She-Hulk Attorney at Law. I'm not really going to go into the depths in She-Hulk in this show, because that's one of the things I think I will save till Trent and I can have a conversation about it, because he's on assignment. I'm flying solo this episode, as I said. And we will move on to our next Star Wars trailer which will be for Mandalorian Season 3. You ready for an adventure? I think it's safe to say that the Mandalorian Season 3 trailer is probably the one that would have been the most anticipated because it's been almost two years since we've seen anything from a Mandalorian or, or a Grogu. I mean, let's count the one or two episodes of The Book of Boba Fett. Outside of those couple episodes, they've been pretty quiet for the last two years, but the trailer does recap the story leading up to this season about how Mando, a.k.a. Din, has disgraced himself by removing his helmet and has to go and atone and, and make that right. We do see a firefight in space with Din's custom starfighter made from Naboo parts. He and Grogu then are seen flying into what is presumably the remnants of Mandalore because we know that Mandalore has been all but destroyed. And the only way for Bo-Katan to kind of reclaim it and, and, and rule is to get that Darksaber back. But she's seeing them arrive, again, in what presumably is Mandalore. We don't know. Not too happy to see him. We do see R5-D4 actually get some action, it seems, because he's in the droid spot on the custom Starfighter Mando made. We also see Bo-Katan giving a lecture, cutting a promo on Din about how his cult has caused the division between Mandalorians in the first place. We also see some Kowakian monkey lizards, a.k.a. Salacious B. Crumb, from Return of the Jedi. We see what kind of looks like their, what would be their natural habitat, climbing up high in something and then heckling at somebody. It seemed to be all Salacious B. Crumb did. Grief Karga, I think, got a major wardrobe up, uh, upgrade. He's almost got like a, a cloak or a cape like somebody a royalty would have. And like the return of R5-D4 would imply, we get the return of Peli Mato, kind of a fan-favorite character there. Uh, but just going by what little we saw in the trailer, because the trailer thing was only about a minute and a half long, I believe, and a minute of that was, and 30 seconds of that was recap, it does look like this is going to focus on Din having to struggle with what he believes and what he hears from Bo-Katan and her kind of pure-blood Mandalorians. He had his faith challenge in Season 2 because Bo-Katan basically called him a zealot and that 
they're kind of a fringe belief, whereas she's Mandalorian by blood. But yet, of course, Din still has the Darksaber, which rightfully should be in her possession, but she can't just simply take possession of it. She must fight and beat Din for it. You know, he can't just surrender it. So it'll be interesting to see how much attention this trailer will generate. No specific release date was given, but it said streaming 2023. So sometime 2023, probably within the next six months, I would imagine, we're going to get the the long-awaited third season. It is the only way you will truly have victory, my Padawan. And the last of the Star Wars trailers that we got is the trailer for Tales of the Jedi. Now, we got our first look, real look, you might say, with this trailer at D23. We did hear it was coming earlier in the year uh, at Star Wars Celebration, but that was really only information. We didn't, we didn't get any video. Might have gotten a couple of concept images, but obviously as old school fans might remember, Tales of the Jedi was a book and comic series put out by Dark Horse. Really, it, it took place thousands of years before the classic era. And they, they had the Sith War and Freedonad Uprising and uh, all, all these things where there were just Jedi everywhere. However, this miniseries is not taking that approach. It's using the characters we saw in the prequel era. And it did show that each episode will be a short, probably a self-contained story, probably one episode, basically like what an episode of The Bad Batch might be. However, it also states that it's six shorts with one destiny. Now, this likely means that all of the characters will be part of the final episode. And while these are all characters we've seen before, we haven't seen them like this before, at least not in any video programming. We do see Ahsoka as a very young child, a toddler, and she just comes in an encounter with this saber-toothed tiger-looking creature that she's able to calm, presumably with the Force. And we also see highlights of her training with clone troopers and Anakin. We see a couple clips of Dooku from different eras in his life, one where he's clearly younger and clean-shaven, and then one where he's got the beard but he's not graying yet. And at least one of those moments, he has a young, presumably Padawan, Qui-Gon Jinn by his side, because Dooku did mention in Attack of the Clones that Qui-Gon was his... Padawan. We do see Dooku and Mace Windu get attracted by uh, get attacked by droids on Felucia. At least it looks like Felucia might be another planet with some nice force scenery like that. But it looks like they're attacked by droids. We also get a villain credited as the Inquisitor, and it's not any of the Inquisitors we've seen. This character looks much more like the Ood from modern Doctor Who, and it also looks like there might be Tarkin in the background when we see that Inquisitor. And perhaps the most surprising is we do see Yaddle. This is the first time we've seen Yaddle since Phantom Menace, and she didn't even have any speaking parts in that. She was just on the Jedi Council. And perhaps even more surprisingly, we see her fighting Dooku in something that almost seems to mirror how Yoda fought Dooku in Attack of the Clones. So it'll be cool to see that kind of mirror each other, because that's something George Lucas did all the time. It's like poetry, they rhyme. We'll probably see a fight that went very similar to Yaddle and Dooku, as we saw with Yoda and Dooku. We do know the first episode will be about Ahsoka's origin. And again, the Ardent fans may remember that Ahsoka has a close connection to Jedi Master Plo Koon. He is the Jedi that I believe originally took her in. So we may get a guest appearance from him as well. And I'm presuming that... 
the scenes of her training with Anakin and with the clone troopers and Rex, those are probably all from the same episode, kind of the coming of age of Ahsoka, you might say. Dooku may be in one, he may be in two episodes. You know, if we're getting Ahsoka in different ages in one episode, of standard reason that we might get Dooku in different ages in the same episode. Because when he's clean-shaven and young like that, he might still be under the tutelage of Yoda. And then when he's got the beard, it, he might be mentoring Qui-Gon Jinn. Now concerning Yaddle, we've never gotten an official fate of Yaddle since Disney took over. There was a novel written called The Shadow Trap. I believe it was a young adult story. And that depicted Yaddle sacrificing herself to save everybody. But since that is now Legends, it's not canon, and this will be an official post-Disney canon Yaddle story. And it looks like all these characters' destinies will revolve around this Inquisitor's reveal, at least going by how the trailer was paced, and possibly Yaddle's death. That may be one of the things that leads to Dooku walking out on the Jedi Order. This Inquisitor does have a confrontation with Ahsoka, which presumably would happen after Dooku's fall to the dark side, because she didn't become Anakin's Padawan until the Clone Wars had already began. But no matter what happens, six shorts, one destiny, that would mean a minimum of six episodes, likely more. And that would seem we'll have an episode with Ahsoka, Qui-Gon, Dooku, Yaddle, Anakin, and Mace Windu all in it, which may be the most eclectic lineup of Star Wars prequel characters ever assembled. It'd be very interesting to see how they get the paths of all those characters to cross, especially since we don't know if Yaddle is even alive come Attack of the Clones. But like I said, when we first heard of this happening, I'm definitely going to be looking forward to this. We know we're getting Liam Neeson back as Qui-Gon. It looks like it's going to be younger Qui-Gon. We may even get a Qui-Gon circa Phantom Menace, if we're because that would put it about right as far as that Yaddle fight. Again, we're not getting an exact drop date but 2023 is likely maybe before or after mandalorian i'm presuming it's probably will probably drop after the next season of the bad batch one other piece of news that i wanted to get into that was still involved star wars but nothing trailer oriented is we do have a prominent character cast for the ahsoka series they're bringing in ezra bridger i believe it was cinelinks that broke the news i have that up on geeklerradio.com, and I'll have it in the show notes here at geeklerradio.com slash 310, that Eamon Esfandi, I'm, I'm probably butchering that, so my apologies in advance, but he will be portraying Ezra Bridger when the series debuts next year. He did have a, a bit part in the 2021 Best Picture nominee, King, King, King Richard. Now, the last we saw of Bridger was when he and Grand Admiral Thrawn disappeared in the series finale of... Star Wars Rebels in 2018, which hard to believe that's almost four years ago now. Now, Ahsoka did mention Thrawn by name to Morgan Elsbeth in the second season of Mandalorian, so it would stand to reason that it would that's a tease for the return of Ezra as well. And like Ahsoka, Ezra first appeared in animated form. She made her debut in 2008 for the Clone Wars movie and became one of the favorite characters, certainly one of my favorite characters in Clone Wars. And she actually returned in Rebels. And then we saw her in live action in Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett. But Ezra was one of the main characters in Rebels. He went through all five seasons and really had kind of a coming-of-age story. It was, if, if anything, it was probably the story was most about him than, than anybody else. 
There's been no official casting for Thrawn, although I have heard the rumors that he'll be portrayed by the same actor that voiced him in Rebels, Lars Mikkelsen. And that's going to do it for the Star Wars news in this episode. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we will be diving into the Marvel portion of D23. we got a Secret Invasion trailer and a couple other news bits to get to. This is Geekville Radio, and we'll be right back. Are you looking for a gaming-themed podcast? Then check out You Just Got Friday. Join host Jared Aubrey and his panel of gaming enthusiasts as they discuss news and accomplishments in the gaming world and, of course, the gripe of the week. That's all at YouJustGotFrag.com, part of the Wrestling Brethren podcast family. All right, we are back here talking Secret Invasion. We got a first look, a trailer, for Secret Invasion at D23. And this is the Marvel show that I am most looking forward to from when all the shows that were announced way back when when Disney Plus was announced. Because Secret Invasion, obviously it's based off the comic book storyline that happened in the mid-2000s. But what I like most about it, and what I think a lot of fans will like most about it, is this is a Nick Fury series. Samuel Jackson is front and center as Nick Fury, and he's going to be the central character in the story, because he's always been a, a supporting character in all the movies. So to see him take center stage in an MCU series is a lot of fun, because really, in the comics, there were Nick Fury standalone series in the 80s and such, but really his main solo book was Sergeant Fury and the Howling Commandos. And of course, that was the 616 Fury, who looks, looks nothing like Samuel Jackson. So anyway... We're getting a Samuel Jackson series. That's enough for me. That has me at hello. And I just want to put it out. Spoiler alert. I'll wave the spoiler Spoiler alert. Spoiler hole has been breached. Spoiler hole has been breached. We are going to compare this trailer to some of the stuff we saw in the 2000 Secret Invasion. I'm going to make some predictions. It's not based on anything inside or anything I've read because Lord knows I'm not an insider. It's just trying to put two and two together based on what we've seen. So if you want to stay completely in the dark about what the series might be about, I don't blame you. You can skip ahead to the other stories we talk about. But with that said, let's dive into the Secret Invasion trailer. This is my war alone. The first thing we see is Nick Fury beaming down to Earth, presumably for the first time in years. It looks like just about every alien arrival in any sci-fi film, from Terminator to Star Trek to whatever. And he meets with Maria Hill in an undisclosed tavern. I believe, if I recall correctly, there's Russian writing around in that tavern, so it's probably something taking place in Russia. But given the dialogue, it looks like Maria Hill knows that Fury has been in space for some time. As we saw in Spider-Man Far From Home, that... It was Talos playing Nick Fury. We saw that Talos is masquerading as Nick Fury. And does Maria know about that? It wouldn't surprise me if she does, but it wouldn't exactly surprise me if she doesn't. Because remember the line, Nick Fury has secrets that have secrets. We also see Fury going around sans eye patch, so he's got that pale eye. We know we're getting Martin Freeman in this as well as Everett Ross. We also see like a laboratory of sorts, like a space hospital room 
where they have people draped in these glowing carcasses, for lack of a better term, just kind of almost like cocoons. It almost looked like something out of the Doctor Who episode, the the faceless ones, which we covered on examining the, which which my co-host Mark Short and I covered on examining the Doctor a year or two ago. So there's our obligatory Doctor Who reference because the faceless ones was a story about aliens that were abducting humans and then morphing into them and impersonating them and taking these people off to their planets where they can repopulate essentially. But yeah, similar thing, vision of the body snatchers, Dr. Who, a lot of stuff like this has happened before. We also see Talos in his human form that we saw in the Captain Marvel movie, but suddenly he's surrounded by a bunch of scrolls that all have the same face, which is interesting because obviously Talos is a scroll. So this is one of those things that I think will be an interesting plot point. If this is Talos or if it's whatever human, maybe Talos was impersonating. Because if Talos is part of the secret invasion, then there's going to be a lot of explaining to do in that scene with all these scrolls rising up against him. Or if this is the human form, maybe he's been gone for a while because this is the real human and not the one Talos was impersonating, then it would make sense. We got a bunch of huge explosions, a lot of action scenes. We know Amelia Clark is in this, obviously most famous for Game of Thrones. It hasn't been revealed what role she will be playing here, and I'll get to that in a minute because that's where my prediction will come in, which might be a spoiler. We do see a helicopter firing rockets at a motorcade, which if you look at the license plate of the SUV that gets blown up in the motorcade, that's a presidential license plate. That's a Washington, D.C. license plate. So whoever's getting attacked is either the president of the United States, an imposter of the president of the United States, or possibly the president is a scroll and slipped away before this attack happened. So that's a lot of stuff to munch on. You could spend a lot of time thinking about this and wondering where it could go. Now, to for those that may not know, Secret Invasion was a major story arc for Marvel in 2007, the main gist was that the Skrulls had kidnapped several Marvel heroes and, and prominent ones at that and replaced them with an imposter. So we had a Skrull Captain America, Skrull Iron Man, Skrull Thor, a Skrull Wolverine. And the mastermind behind the invasion was a Skrull named Varanke, V-E-R-A-N-K-E. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that properly, but specifically she masqueraded as Spider-Woman the original Spider-Woman, Jessica Drew. So if the series is going to resemble anything like the comics, it's likely going to be that the scrolls are the villains, which harkens back to the famous to the famous exchange that Fury had in Captain Marvel, where he says, so the scrolls are the bad guys. So if this is going to be anything like the comics, they are the bad guys. Because Fury seemed to trust the scrolls after the events of Captain Marvel. And, and there may be a curveball thrown in that Fury might have left with the Skrulls shortly after Captain Marvel and the Nick Fury we've been seeing throughout the entirety in phase in the first three phases was actually Talos masquerading as Fury. I don't know if that's actually going to happen, but if you're familiar with comics, that type of stuff is not too out of place. The Skrulls in the comics have been at war with the Kree for decades in the comics, pretty much as long as there's been... Stanley writing comics, we've had a Kree-Skrull war. So with 
Fury thinking scrolls are not the bad guys and the Kree are, that narrative will probably be proven false and the scrolls have been executing their takeover for years. Again, this could have been put in motion before the events of phase one. It also means that practically any character in the series could be a scroll in disguise. We could bring back dead characters that where scrolls are posing as them and then maybe another character comes up, we get another say we could get characters. We we could even get cameos from the other non-MCU Marvel films depicting these characters, and then they turn out to be scrolls, and then we get the long-term actor. You know, like like the John Krasinski is uh, Mr. Fantastic. I'll just throw that out there. Obviously, he died in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, but he might show up here. I'm not saying he's going to, but he might show up and then be revealed as a scroll, and then we get another actor as Reed Richards in the future. But I wouldn't be surprised if we have some characters that we saw in Phase 1 that we will now be told that they were scrolls all along. Now, it's no coincidence, if you pay attention to Captain Marvel, it's no coincidence, I think, that Talos and Soren's daughter is named Varanki, because Fury first encountered Talos in the mid-1990s, so that would mean by 2023, which is where Phase 4 is taking place, which, by God, we're less than a year away from that, less than three or four months away from that at the time of this recording, and we'll be in the year that Avengers Endgame takes place in. But anyway, they have a child named Frankie in, in Captain Marvel. So she would be fully grown by 2023. And if we're going with the same character name, going through the secret invasion in the comics, that would mean that Varanki would be executing this invasion. So my prediction, because while we've seen Amelia Clark, haven't really seen her do much, she's got just a couple of seconds in these trailers, and we haven't seen her character named on screen or on IMDb, at least as of this recording in mid-September, I'm going to call it here. I think Amelia Clark is playing the human form of Ranky. And she is going to be the main antagonist for Secret Invasion. We're going to see Amelia Clark as a villain, as a scroll, executing this grand takeover from within. Now, no matter what happens in the series, we do know that at least at some point in time, Nick Fury and Maria Hill were scroll imposters at some point. Now, whether the Maria Hill we see in the trailer is the real Maria Hill, or if it's Soren, that remains to be seen. The president, whoever is playing him, is almost certainly a scroll or is captured by scrolls, and it's also possible that Talos and Soren could be trying to thwart the invasion that their daughter is organizing. That would make sense with the the scene we talked about earlier, with all the scrolls of the same face looking at Talos. Or it could also be that they're all in cahoots and this is a plot executed by Talos and Soren since before Captain Marvel took place. So those are my thoughts. I think Amelia Clark's the villain. I think we're getting scrolls as bad guys. We're going to get some reveals that characters we've known for the last 12 years, or I guess 14 years, have been scrolls all along, and we'll get new versions of the same characters, whether it's different actors or whether it's characters that died as a scroll but are now being brought back as humans. A lot of fun stuff you could have with that. So I'm definitely interested in hearing what you have to say about this. If you think those predictions are off base, if it's going to be something else, could we be getting the return of other characters 
We've got a lot of time to think about it because no specific release date has been given, but this is going to debut sometime in 2023 on Disney+. And that's going to do it for the D23 portion of this Geekville Radio edition. We're going to take another quick break, and when we come back, we're going to dive into non-Marvel, non-Disney stuff. We'll dive into Black Adam, and we'll dive into news coming out of the Warner Brothers Discovery merger. So this is Geekville Radio, and we'll be right back. Attention all Time Lords and Ladies, Geekville Radio presents Examining the Doctor, a weekly look at everybody's favorite Time Lord, the Doctor. Join Mark and Seth as they bring their signature blend of knowledge and humor to favorite and not-so-favorite episodes of Doctor Who. From Hartnell to Capaldi, Examining the Doctor provides episode commentaries for classic and current Doctor Who fans alike. Examining the Doctor, available on iTunes, Stitcher, and at geekvilleradio.com. All right, we are back. Final segment of the show. We're shifting away from Disney and D23 news, and we'll dive into some DC Universe talks, some Warner Brothers talk. We'll kick that off with the final trailer for Black Adam. At least I, I think it's going to be the final trailer. I never said I was a hero. This has been the long-awaited film debut for Black Adam. He is one of the oldest characters in the DC Universe, and certainly, depending on the writer, one of the biggest villains. This is a movie that The Rock has been trying to make for like over 10 years now. I think it, it's been going around for at least 10 years that The Rock was going to play Black Adam. It dates back to there was a poll amongst The Rock's fans asking, should he be Shazam or should he be Black Adam? And Black Adam won the vote. And, you know, as Peter Tork used to say, the rest is, is a hysterectomy. Now, like the trailers we talked about earlier, these second trailers or final trailers do show a little bit more of the plot. I think, than the early ones, which are kind of considered teasers. It did spend the first 30 seconds or so of the trailer kind of showing what we saw in the previous trailers, including Adam brutally killing people, and the sneak preview, I think, was from last year's DC Fandom. But among some of the new footage we see, we do see Adam waking up after years of confinement. looks like he's masked. We do see a little bit of Viola Davis as Amanda Waller. We got the super cool futuristic-looking ship just rising out of the ground, similar to like what the X-Men would do back in the, way, back in the day. We do get footage of Quintessa Swindell as Cyclone and Adam and Hawkman coming to blows. Some pretty cool-looking explosions, which Black Adam just hovers away from. It's like that comedy song, Cruel Guys Don't Look at Explosions, and they would just show the... Instead of just walking with the explosion going on in the background, in this case, he's levitating and flying. We've heard that the film will depict Adam similar to how he is in the comic. And for anybody who's new to the character, like I said before, he's been one of the oldest villains. He's traditionally been the arch rival to DC's own Captain Marvel, who of course is now known as Shazam because Marvel has a Captain Marvel as well. And Train and I did talk about Marvel's Captain Marvel a few years back, the episode was titled, Who is Captain Marvel? Because it, it was kind of giving prep for the MCU Captain Marvel film. Long story short, though, and in the past couple decades, DC has just decided to call the character Shazam instead of Captain Marvel to eliminate confusion and legal complications, shall we say. He does have similar powers to Shazam. He, he gets them from Egyptian gods, though, instead of Shazam, who gets it more like from the, from the Greek gods. And within the past few years, Black Adam's kind of become more of a anti-villain or maybe even an anti-hero. 
uh, depending on the situation. It's like he's a bad guy, but there are certain ways he goes about things that I think lawful evil is a good depiction of him because he does kind of have a code. He does kind of have a way that he does things instead of the traditional maniacal villain who just will cheat, steal, kill people, all that just to achieve the goals. I don't think Black Adam is that that type of evil, but the bottom line is this movie is going to be Black Adam versus the Justice Society, which was kind of the golden age DC superhero team that predates Justice League. So Adam's probably going to be the antagonist for the film. Now, whether they turn him into a more sympathetic character remains to be seen, but it looks like we're going to get some of the ruthless aspects of Black Adam in this. So as far as the line about you can destroy this world or be its savior, which way he goes remains to be seen because that's probably going to be one of the last things we see in the movie, like maybe in the, the last few minutes when he makes that decision. But I think it would be very Black Adam-like to say neither and flies off into the sunset. And I've been saying it for a while. The Rock has a perfect choice for Black Adam. He's totally going to kill it in this. And I think this is going to be a very well-received film. It's going to be very surprising if this movie bombs with fans because a lot of us have been chomping at the bit to see The Rock play Black Adam on the big screen. And I do have screen caps of the trailer in the show notes at geeklaradio.com slash 310. You can click on that and you'll see links to get the, the screen caps of the trailer moments that I've been talking about. So we got the big trailers. We got kind of the sneak peek into what's coming. Now we're going to shift gears and we're going to go into kind of what's current. It has been confirmed that Harley Quinn got renewed for the fourth season. Normally, DC would announce stuff like this at Fandom, which was their online convention for the last couple of years. I think it was really was kind of born out of COVID problems. Instead of doing a physical convention, they just did an online one instead. But Fandom is not coming back. I don't know if it'll be back next year. It's possible that it could be another victim of the cuts that Warner Brothers Discovery has been making. We've heard all the stories about all these projects that were getting canceled before they even began production in the case of Supergirl. The movie was almost finished. So maybe the new powers that be in Warner's Brother Discovery just decided that fandom was, wasn't worth the effort or the time or whatever money that they put into it. So speaking of the merger, the latest thing to be affected by this merger is Legendary Picture because Warner Brothers Discovery does not own Legendary. Legendary makes the actual movies and then... Warner Brothers would be considered the carrier or the or the distributor. And Legendary's been one of the heaviest hitters in a lot of the geek movies that have been coming out in the last uh, couple of years. Just last year alone, we had Godzilla vs. Kong and the current Dune movie. Now, Legendary actually owns the rights to the MonsterVerse and Dune. So this means that they don't have to deal with a specific distributor. They're not really obligated to work with Warner Brothers. And there have been reports, I'll have links to it, I think it was uh, Deadline was reporting about it, that there's things that, that Legendary have been unhappy with concerning previous deal. And with Warner Brothers clamping down on spending due to this merger, it is possible, again, this is a rumor, nothing finalized, it's possible that Legendary could split from Warner Brothers and hook up with a different distributor for Godzilla vs. Kong 2 and Dune 2. Some of the names that are being thrown around are uh, Universal Pictures, Sony, and Legendary has already worked with other studios before. They've worked with Universal before because they're part of the Jurassic World franchise. 
They've worked with Paramount and uh, Netflix. So they've actually been working with distributors outside of Warner Brothers in the past. So this is not something that would be like legal mumbo jumbo red tape or anything like that. They, they can pretty much go to whoever they want. Now, it's possible that Warner Brothers and Legendary could come to an agreement. We know they're working on Godzilla vs. Kong 2. It's supposed to come out about two years from now. So it's very possible that they will stay. But I just want to make it clear that even if the split does happen, that does not mean that Godzilla vs. Kong and Dune 2 will be shelved. They'll still be able to make the films and just make them elsewhere. So Dune 2 is going to get made. It may not be with Warner Brothers. And the final thing about mergers here is there are rumblings about another merger with Warner Brothers Discovery, this time with NBC, this time with Warner Brothers and NBC Universal. So it does, and it does seem kind of odd that they just did a merger with Discovery, and now they're going to do another one with NBC, which would make the biggest media company in the world even bigger. And once companies get big enough, there's there's issues that could be with the government about how, how big can they get and how much control or whether there's a monopoly and all, all that stuff. But this is still a, a while away, if, if it even does happen. Uh, this, these are just rumors. I don't really like reporting rumors, but this is one of those that very well may have some merit to it. But the interesting thing about doing that is, well, first off, you're basically seeing Warner Brothers merge with Universal. So what would it be? Warner Brothers Discovery Universal? U- U- universe of Warner Brothers Discovery? But I, I don't know. I'm sure many people have more creative names than I do. But if this merger does happen, that would definitely open up the door for even more cuts coming along because they're probably not going to want to have separate studios and separate distributors with Warner Brothers and Universal. So that would probably cause a lot of layoffs, a lot of shockwaves to the industry, quite quite frankly. So there's a lot of people that don't want this merger to happen because of that, that you know, two big mega corporations merge and then a whole bunch of people get kicked out of the door because of that. So we'll see. Like I said, 2024, we're probably not going to hear anything big about it until next year anyway. But that's going to wrap it up for this edition of Geekville Radio. This is episode number 310. I have the show notes and links at geekvilleradio.com slash 310-310. Train will be back soon, hopefully for the next episode. But he's been very busy lately, so just doing the the shows, trying to find time to record has been difficult. But rest assured, we're going to put out a lot of content in the upcoming weeks. October is our annual crossover. If you want to call the same podcast family doing crossovers, but we've been doing it for a few years because October is the month of Halloween. A lot of people like Halloween. I love Halloween. So we tend to go with a Halloween theme and more more horror elements. So you're going to see a lot of Halloween and horror coverage in the month of October, and some of that will be distributed through separate podcasts. Like we'll, we'll, we're going to put stuff like we'll, we'll put some of like the Lesser Known Geek Hall of Fame and some of the other shows. We, we might put that on the main feed just as kind of a sample for anybody that might listen to Geekville Radio, but maybe not our other shows. So stay tuned for that. Let us know what you think. We are at geekvilleradio.com. We're on social media, Facebook and Twitter at, at Geekville Radio. You can find us wherever podcasts can be had. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon, 
iHeartRadio. Don't think we have it with smoke signals or Morse code or anything like that, but hey, maybe those things will make a comeback. So you can give us a review on any of the podcast platforms. And as I always say, when it comes to review, the only thing I ask is be honest. You know, Tell us if we're doing well. If there's something you don't like, let us know. There's no serious criticism that won't be considered. I guess I could put it that way. So until next time, thank you folks for listening. Let us know what you think. And we'll be back next time with more Geekle Radio and, like I said, a bunch of other stuff to come. Geekville Radio is not sponsored or endorsed by any product or company unless specifically stated. The views expressed by the hosts and or guests are purely their own and do not represent the views of geekvillradio.com, a1-wrestling.com, or any affiliates. Some media used on Geekville Radio is the respective copyright of its publishers, all rights reserved.